Well, I hope everyone had a truly Merry Christmas with your families and with your friends. Are you in post-Christmas shock now? Post-Christmas stress now? I already had someone come in, that's the first thing they said. I shook their hand and said, hey, how'd your Christmas go? And with a somber face, the, the, the guy responded to me, I'm in Christmas stress mode. I'm in post-Christmas anxiety mode. So many of us are like that. But I hope you had a great Christmas time and built some great memories with your friends and especially with your family. I want to talk about now this whole idea of what tends to happen right after Christmas. If you were here for the Christmas Eve service, we noted that Christmas is intended to be a time of great joy and great what? Peace, isn't it? That was the proclamation of the angels on the night of Jesus' birth as recorded in Luke chapter 2. In verse 13, it says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men. See, Jesus' birth brought peace into the world, a new kind of peace. Not just a temporary peace, but a peace that can be everlasting. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, I mean hundreds, the Old Testament Hebrew prophet Isaiah prophesied about this peace coming. When in Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah prophesies about the coming of Jesus, and he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. That's a whole passage we need to come back to at Easter time. But he goes on to say this, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. What? Prince of Peace. So, I mean, if anyone knows about peace... If anyone knows how to give peace, he, the prince of peace, does. But what is peace? Well, in its immediate sense, we would say peace is the absence of war. But I think we deal with it in, in many other aspects, especially, as Webster defines it, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Look at that again. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Immediately when I said, are any of you in post-Christmas stress? A lot of you are shaking your head, see? How many of you today could use a little more freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts and emotions? Webster also says that peace is harmony in personal relationships. I mean, this time of Christmas is supposed to be a time of great joy and great peace and it, oftentimes it does. Oftentimes it brings couples together. And oftentimes it brings families back together. But oftentimes it causes a lot of problems in our relationships. A lot of arguing between, did we get enough presents or did we get too many presents? And wow, we spent too much money or we didn't spend enough money. And well, I'll tell you, it can be just a time where peace is gone. But that's what we're looking for and you know, my observation over many years of ministry and counseling people have been, this is what people are looking for. More than anything else in life, they're looking for peace. They're looking for that freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts and emotion. Proverbs 14.30 says this way, a heart at peace 
gives life to the body. See, it has a healing impact. It has a, a, very, a very strong catharsis effect on how we live our lives. Romans 14, 19 says this, Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace. Since peace brings life to the body, Paul says we need to do everything. We need to make every effort that we can to do what leads to peace. Now, now he gives us a very important clue when he says, therefore, let us. Back to Luke chapter, it says, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men. There's a qualifier. What's it say? On whom his, whose Jesus' favorite last. So really, when, when you get down to it, peace on earth begins with me. When you string it all together, Jesus is the prince of peace. Paul says peace is a balm for life. He says, let's do everything, let's make every effort we can to do the things that lead to peace. And peace is all about seeking the favor of God. So peace on earth isn't something I should be looking to from somebody else or something else. Peace comes from within. Happiness is a choice. So if peace begins with me, what does that look like? Well, peace begins with me, me making peace with God. That's where it really starts. Since God, Jesus, is the prince of peace, then I've got to start by making peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many people don't really understand our relationship with God. We don't understand that. We're, we're born as enemies of God. That's what Scripture says. We're born alienated from God. We're born with an eternal death sentence over our head, not because we're horrible people necessarily, but because we're sinners. And, and we, we kind of water down this whole idea of sinning. We don't make it as serious as it is to God. See, it doesn't take a hundred sins to disqualify us from eternal life. It takes one. The moment we committed our first sin, we made ourselves impure. And as Revelation says, Revelation chapter 21, God is not going to allow any impure thing into his eternal kingdom. So the moment, back when we were kids, we committed our first sin, we disqualified ourselves. In fact, the Bible says we were born as sinners. Christmas is about God's peace offering, Jesus. He sent Jesus into the world as a peace offering. He sent Jesus in the world as a road back to himself. And that's what it's saying. We have peace. We change our position with God. We change our relationship with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul says, as we say very often here in Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. In other words, we will make peace with God. It comes through faith. That's where it starts. Peace on earth begins with me making peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't just mean believing in God. That doesn't mean just believing God exists. That doesn't mean that just believing there was a historic person named Jesus. That means believing that he's Lord, that there's no other way. Jesus himself said it. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we confess that Jesus wasn't being arrogant in saying that. He was being honest in saying that. He was saying, I'm the only one that died for your sin. I'm the only one who came from heaven. God, with the flesh of man on him, I'm the only one who has the authority to forgive sin. And therefore, there's to be found no other place than in me. That's confessing that Jesus is Lord. That there's no other way. Then we have to believe in our heart. What scripture says about him, what God has declared about him, what Jesus declared about himself, that he was the son of God, that he was God incarnate, that he came down here and was born into our our world. That's what we just celebrated two days ago, our holiday, our our, our celebration called Christmas. He was born to die on the cross for sin. The good news of Christmas, if you've never received it before, is this, God sent Jesus as a peace offering to you. God sent Jesus so that you can be at peace with him, so that you can eternally be at peace with him, and it comes through faith in Jesus Christ, believing and declaring and confessing, Jesus, you are Lord, and believing in our hearts that he was the son of God, that he died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day rose again, And because he was a worthy sacrifice and he was a willing sacrifice, he is the only way back to God. And so peace on earth begins with me putting my faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior, not just a great teacher, not just a great leader, not a founder of a world religion, but as God, as the only Savior. If you've never done that, God wants you to do that because God wants to be at peace with you. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how to have that peace in a little bit. So peace on earth begins with me. First, making peace with God. And then peace on earth begins with me, me keeping peace with the Spirit of God. Now now here's where so many believers miss, miss it. So many church people. We believe that making peace with God, trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, is a one and only step. That that's it. We just do that and and, and our sins are forgiven and heaven's going to be our home. Well, that's true. That's true that we'll be at peace with God. We'll no longer be accountable for our own sins. But that doesn't mean we're going to sense that Webster definition of peace active in our life. That freedom from disquieting and oppressive thoughts and emotions. See, our Christian life, remember, we're adopted into the family of God. 
And we are sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells every single person who puts his or her faith in Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior. Oftentimes, Christians say, well, you know, I I trust that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And you really did? But I don't feel peace. Well, more often than not, that's because you haven't maintained that peace. It's not that God hasn't given you the peace. You haven't maintained it. And since you haven't maintained it, you don't feel it. And therefore, it eludes you. So how do I keep peace with the Spirit of God who lives inside me? And we get that, right? When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, it says old things have passed away. All things become new. We're not the same person anymore. We are indwelt by God's Spirit. Our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are radically changed for all eternity. Romans 8, 6, Paul again, writing to believers in Rome, says this. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is what? Is what? And is life and peace. So the mind controlled, the mind of sinful man is death. A sense of separation from God. A lack of peace. A a lack of freedom from oppressive thoughts and emotions. He he previously said in verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. See, maintaining that peace that is given to us when we make peace with God through our faith in Jesus Christ is all about our mind. Do you know that's where the battleground for peace is? It's not in the hands and the feet and the body and, and the pocket, but it's in the mind. That's where Satan makes war with us, in our minds. And it says, if we continue as believers, or even before we become believers, to have our minds set on what the sinful nature desires. What's the sinful nature desire? Sinful nature desires fame and, and money and advancement, and material things, and, and sometimes pleasures that, that seem to offer some excitement, but later on leave us feeling guilty and shameful. See, those are the things, the sinful nature, the things of the world, the thing that people don't want, who don't want anything to do with God or Jesus Christ have their minds set on. And that, what's that bring? Says that brings death. That brings a sense of alienation from God. And even believers who are sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit often struggle. And that's why so many believers sometimes think, I don't know if I really am saved. I don't know if I really did get saved. Did I really mean it when I prayed that prayer? See, we struggle because we're not maintaining our relationship with the Spirit of God who lives in us. And the reason we're not is because we have our minds set. We have our calendars set. We have our time set. We have things set on the things of the world and not the things of God. But it says those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I fight it and you fight it. We all fight it. And we're never going to perfect it, not in this life. But when we're living for the Lord, you think about it. Times where you've been really living for the Lord. 
And you've had your mind set on the things of the Spirit. You've had your mind set on his word and set on obeying what God has told us. Those times, if you look back at them, are characterized by times of peace. Maybe you're going through some really horrible circumstances, but in those horrible circumstances, you've turned to God and, and, and you've got that relationship strengthened. And during those horrible circumstances even, the peace of God comes. That Bible says a peace that passes understanding. But see, when we get our eyes off of God, then our emotions and that peace just, just get out of control again because that's not where peace is. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when we're looking to money or we're looking to friends or we're looking to, to the, our, our astrologer or whatever we're doing, when we're not looking to Jesus, then we lose our peace. Again, Paul says, therefore, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of the world? Well, I'll tell you how you can see what the pattern of the world is. You look at your lost family members. You look at your unchurched co-workers, and you see what they're doing. That's the pattern of the world. You, you, if you do what culture tells you to do, and you follow the way of culture and the philosophy of culture and the desires of culture, that's the, that's the pattern of the world. He says, now you as a man, you as a woman who has first made peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, don't live that way anymore. Don't set your mind on that stuff anymore. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, that means we have to start thinking about life differently. We need to think about how we allocate our time differently. We need to think about our relationship with God differently. We need to think about the Bible differently. We need to think about prayer differently. We need to think about serving others differently. We need to think about benevolence differently. We need to set our minds on the things God teaches us in his word. We need to set our minds on the things the spirit leads us to do. Then look what it says. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing will. And what is God's good and pleasing will? What's God's will for you? His will for you is peace and joy. That's his will. That's why he sent Jesus, the prince of peace. If you're a believer and you have made peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, yet you are not sensing peace in your life today, maybe it's because you've got your mind set on something else. Maybe it's you, you got your mind set on that one negative circumstance in your life and it's obsessing you right now whether it's financial or relational or health or whatever it is, and that's all you are thinking about. That's all you're dreaming about. And that's, see, you've got your mind set on that. And as long as you have your mind set on that and not the things above, not the God, not the Holy Spirit, not the Prince of Peace, you're going to continue to struggle. And you're not going to have the freedom from disquieting and oppressive thoughts and emotions. Go back to Jesus. Go back to the Prince of Peace. See, peace on earth begins with me. Me making peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Me maintaining peace with the Spirit of God. It also comes through me serving as an instrument of peace. Most of us here undoubtedly today are believers. Maybe someone isn't. If not, I hope that you're going to trust Christ there in a moment. But most of us have. Many of us 
could relate more to that second point that maybe we're not feeling that peace because our minds are set on other things. But all of us as believers should be serving as instruments of peace. Right, off the, right out of the shoot, when Jesus first started his earthly ministry, his first sermon, at least his first recorded sermon, is found in the gospel according to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And we call them the Beatitudes. And what does Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Sons of God. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Well, here's how the world should know that. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, blessed, happy, at peace are the peacemakers. They will be known as sons of God. See, what should differentiate us as believers in Jesus Christ, those who have made peace with God and those who maintain peace with the Spirit of God, is the fact that we're instruments of peace. See, that's what Christianity is all about. It's about God reaching down to man and making peace with us through Jesus Christ. And now, as adopted members into his family through our faith in Jesus Christ, we become agents of peace. Paul, again, in Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Remember, peace on earth begins with me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if it's possible, and almost all things are possible, but he qualifies it, at least as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, how do I do that? Well, I forgive. That's where peace with God comes from, is God's forgiveness of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. See, forgiving. One of the hallmarks that God calls us to as Christians is to be people of peace evidenced by our readiness to forgive others. Paul talks a lot and other New Testament authors talk a lot about if you're nice to only the people who are nice to you and if you forgive only the people that, that are loving to you, then, then what have you really accomplished? Even the pagans, even people who don't believe in God, who don't cherish the things of the, things of, of, of the word of God, they do that. See, what characterizes me, what characterizes you as someone who has been transformed by the presence of Jesus Christ in our relationship in our lives, is the fact that we're forgiving. And, and over and over again, Scripture talks about forgiving. Forgiving, forgiving over and over again. We're instruments of peace by befriending. There's so many lonely people in the world today. There's so many people who are outcasts at work. There are family members, you know about them in your own family that are the black sheep of the family or they're the ones that are out, outcasts from the family. So many people at school, so many people. See, as peacemakers, we're called to befriend those people. We're called to be different. And instead of joining the crowd that pushes them away and joining the crowd that, that, that ridicules them and, and maybe even abuses or oppresses them, as peacemakers, 
We're the one who goes to the man or the woman at work who's struggling and says, listen, I want to help you succeed. Let me, let me show you how to fill that report out. Let, let me help you understand how to talk to the boss. Let, let, let me help you with your sales technique so that you, you can make more sales. See, rather than being at competition, in competition with other people, we need to be peacemakers who do what? We befriend them. We establish relationships with them. How are we going to reach people for Jesus Christ if we don't have relationships with people who don't know him already? See, another thing that believers tend to do is, is we, we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We get involved in a local church like we have here, and we, we get in what we call the holy huddle. We just kind of hold arms around, and it's us against the world. But that's not how it's intended to be. We're supposed to be peacemakers. We're supposed to be going out into the world, establishing relationships with people who are unchurched, as a bridge, see, between where they are and where they need to be with God. How many people, I've got to ask myself, in my life are not part of this church? How many people am I interacting and trying to befriend who are people who have been ostracized in society, who have been pushed aside, or maybe just not intentionally but unintentionally left by themselves? I need to forgive. That's being an instrument of peace. I, I, I need to befriend. I need to be authentic. That, that's a way to be a peacemaker. As believers, we need to be authentic in our faith. We need to be authentic with other people. People out in the world, we, we live such inauthentic lives, especially in the day of social media, Right? Everyone's online, they're in, in Facebook, or they're on Twitter, or they're in this and that, and presenting themselves as, as some kind of a phantom person, maybe a fantasy person they want to be, but who they aren't, and they're talking to hundreds of other people who they have friended, who are doing the same thing, and we live in this world where there's no authenticity anymore. I've done a lot of reading and research into the, the millennial generation, the youngest generation. And one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again about a passionate desire of millennials is authenticity in people's lives. Not what we say, but what we do. Not who we claim to be, but who we actually are. And as peacemakers, people got to know that we're the real deal. See, if we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, but, but Jesus isn't our friend Monday through Saturday. And if, if we say Jesus is everything and, and Jesus is the answer for the world today, and yet we're not living, our mind isn't set on the things of the Spirit of God, but at work and in, in our leisure and everything, we're out there living just like the world does, just like those who haven't made peace with God does. Where's the light? Who are they going to follow? See, they need an authentic person in their life. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, our kids are looking to see our authenticity. Do we really live what we claim to believe? We need to invite. If I'm going to be an agent of peace, I need to invite people to the Prince of Peace. I need to give them invitations. I need to witness. I need to introduce them to the King of Kings, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. As we 
have our, our relaunch and as we become the bridge church. And remember, we won't attend the bridge, we are the bridge. We need to expand and we need to be invite people. We need to invite them to know more about God. We need to invite them to a place where they can hear from his word. We need to invite them into an environment, into a community of authentic people who really love God that can show them that, you know, believers, these Christ followers aren't a bunch of zealots and crazies and that the media tries to portray us as, but that we're loving, sensitive, friendly, caring, people of peace who want to help others cross the bridge to a life of peace. By inviting. I want you right now thinking about it. This is our traditional service, this first service. All right, now it's going to be our responsibility, mine and everyone else who attends this, to grow this service, to bring people to this service who might like a traditional format of music, and it's our responsibility to, to have this service grow and fill these, these vacant seats here this morning. See, that's when we're being the bridge. That's when we're being peacemakers. That's when we are living as instruments of peace. I'm going to give you one more that's free. I won't charge you anything for it. I came in today and I was talking to Carlton Crawl, one of our deacons. And by the way, if you see him, today is his 60th birthday. Carlton's 60th birthday. He joins the 6-0 club. All right, Carlton. And he was talking about his Christmas experience. And we were sharing how we didn't want gifts. And, and, and in fact, I told my family, I won't open one. I don't want a gift. Because let's get back to the manger. Now, we got gifts for the grandkids and all that. I wasn't always the Grinch. But listen, he talked about, you know, I don't need anything. He says, I, I, I've got clothes in my, my, my shirts in my closet that still have the price tags on them. I've never worn them. I've got so much. You know what another element of being an instrument of peace is? Is contentment. Think about it. Not just needing everything and needing more and more and more and more and more. And when, when, when unbelievers see that we're in that competitive race and that we're never content, then why should they believe that God supplies all our needs when we're constantly wanting more and more and more and more and more? Being an instrument of peace is being content with the abundance that we already have. And I could, I could relate immediately to Carlton when he said that. I, I, I envisioned, envisioned my closet and, and all the shirts in my closet, and they're crowded together. I need to go through some of those and give them to other people. See, be content, be givers. Hebrews 12, 14, a New Testament manuscript says this, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He, that author connects peace with holiness. Part of our holiness is our peace. And if we're not holy, if we don't have peace, then what's he say? No one's going to see God. God will become invisible to people who so desperately need him. Peace begins with me. Making peace with God. Maintaining peace with the Spirit of God. Serving as an instrument of peace. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in his New Testament manuscript, in chapter 3, verse 18, says, Peacemakers who sow in peace 
raise a harvest of righteousness. I love that. Peacemakers, the sons of God, who sow in peace. In other words, who focus on being instruments of peace. When we're not focused inward, when we have our minds set on the things of God and not the things of the nature, not the things of the world, when we're living the kind of life we are called to live as believers, we sow that which causes peace. We have a harvest of righteousness. And why is that important? It's because that's what we will be eternally rewarded for is a life of righteousness. Matthew 13, 43 says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. Where? Not here, but in the kingdom of the father. Then Jesus says, and Jesus is the one who says this. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. What he's really saying is this. He, she, who is listening. He, she, who cares. He or she who is seeking peace. Seeking God. Let them hear what the word says. James also said later, but don't be hearers of the world only. Do what it says. Let's bow our heads. Where's your peace gauge today? Where's your peace level today? Jesus came into the world as the Prince of Peace. And so therefore, he knows what brings peace. He knows what will strengthen your relationships. He knows what will quiet those disquieting thoughts and those oppressive emotions. And it really begins with you. Have you made peace with God? Are you here this morning? Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ alone? for the forgiveness of your sin, for your eternal hope. Where are you going to spend eternity? What's going to happen to you when this life ends, as it's going to for me and for everyone here? What happens then? Maybe you're here today and no one's looking around, and you don't really know. You're not really sure about your relationship with God. You've never really established an intimate relationship of faith in Jesus Christ. But right now, you sense the Spirit of God who is here today bearing witness in your consciousness right now that you need this forgiveness, that you need this relationship. No one's looking around. I promise I won't embarrass you in any way. But just so I know whether that man or a woman has that need here today, would you just slip your hand up say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know that. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. We wait just a moment. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? 
I don't really know that I'm at peace with God. God's spirit is strong here right now. God's love is strong here right now. And every one of you who raised your hand, God loves you so dearly. And God brought you here today to give you yet another opportunity, or maybe your first opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior so you can be at peace with God. How's it come? It comes through faith in Jesus alone. And all God asks from you that he might give you this gift of peace with himself is that you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Would you do that right now, every one of you who raised your hand? Would you pray something like this? And this prayer is not an incantation. It's not magical. It's just words I'm making up right now. But if you'll make this your sincere prayer to God from your soul, from your heart, God will hear it and bring peace to your life. God, I need your peace. God, I confess to you that that I've sinned. I've not lived a perfect life. And I need forgiveness of my sin because my first sin disqualified me from heaven. And I get it, God. That's why you sent Jesus. Jesus was a peace offering for me and you. And so today, God, as your word requires, I'm putting my faith, not in myself, my goodness, not in the faith of of any world religion. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ alone. I confess with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the only worthy sacrifice for sin. There's no other way but you. And God, I confess to you that I believe in my heart that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for me. I confess and I believe with my heart that he rose again. And so today, I'm asking Jesus to be my savior. Today, I call upon the name of the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, as my eternal Savior. Now, if you just did that in sincerity between you and God, Scripture says this, John 1.12, Yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That means God just adopted you into his family. So it says in 1 John 5, 13, these things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen, for anyone here who t- today who reached out in faith to Jesus Christ, God has answered that faith and he has adopted you and he'll never, ever let you go. He now takes responsibility. He now takes charge of your eternal soul. And he has given you an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade away because it's kept in heaven for you. God, I thank you for what you've done in the lives of men and women here today. So many hands were raised, acknowledging that they weren't at peace with you. Father, now I pray that every man, every woman who raised their hand today 
has trusted you. And if they have, I know your promise is sealed. Your promise is secure. They are at peace with you eternally. Now, Lord, as they start this journey of faith, as they start to maintain this peace by maintaining their relationship with your spirit who now lives in them. And for those of us who have trusted you years ago, Lord, help us to understand that the reason maybe our faith is not as strong today and our peace is not as strong today is because we've had our minds set on the wrong thing. Help us, us to refocus our minds on you and rededicate ourselves afresh to you this day. Prince of Peace, use us as instruments of peace. Motivate us to leave this place today with a new purpose in life, and that is to lead others to you, to be a light in darkness, to be an instrument of peace. Use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.